And it is a special day today because we have with us our founding pastor, uh, John and Lena Gay are here, and uh, John's going to bring us an amazing word. But uh, I wanted to tell you guys one of the things, I've said this before, but I want to say it again, that uh, part of John and Lena Gay's routine is each morning they get up and they spend time with the Lord and then they go down their prayer list and we are on their prayer list. And so we, John and I stay in great contact and they are always continually daily praying that God's will be done and his kingdom come in your lives, in our lives as a tribe and in, and in the lives of our city and so um, I just want you to know they are faithfully praying for us every single morning. And, and that's just one of the few things that they've done. But we're here because they said yes to the Lord uh, years ago. And in 1975, they had already been meeting in a barn. And the Lord called them to get together with the, uh, the brave few. I think it was 42 people. And, uh, and bought this building on faith. And, uh, and then the next Sunday, that went down to... 23 people because the other 23 were like, we're going to go bankrupt, and they left, so the Lord just immediately <laughs> increased our faith. But here we are today because John and Lena Gay said, said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lena Gay, would you stand up? I know you're not going to come up here, but you'll at least stand for us, and uh, we want to welcome John, and we just love you guys, and, um, and, and if I don't do this, then, uh, then John will be ashamed of me. But uh, can we give a christ Center welcome? Let's stand to our feet and welcome our founding pastors, John and Lena Gay Bowers. Love you, John. Thank you. Am I on? Son, there we go. Re reminds me of the in the beginning in the barn, and then we came here. We didn't have microphones. We didn't have, We just yelled, and everybody yelled back, and it was great. Yeah, it was true. The first Sunday we had church at Christ Center, we had our split, our first split. We've had two splits at Christ Center. The first one was devastating. Second one was not that bad. We we learned. Hallelujah! So good to be with you. Knowing that God had called us to come today to speak with you, we spent time in prayer, uh, Linda Gay and myself, is to always not just pull a message out of a can and give it. We have literally hundreds and hundreds of those that we could do. But every time I come, I want to bring, bring fresh produce to you, fresh spiritual produce for you that will enrich your whole being when it is over. 
And so today we're going to be talking about the power of God's Spirit and how you overcome adversity. And so I'd like to start with a phenomenal guy that was in this building. We had an interesting thing happen. Roy Hicks came to me and my pastor at Faith Center, and he said, John, I want you to, uh, I want you to get Keith Green, sign him up, and bring Keith in here. Well, that's when Christ Center didn't have enough money to put oil in the boiler, let alone have an honorarium for somebody like Keith Green. And he says, just, just do it in faith. Just do it. I says, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do it. Well, on Scandinavian Festival that year and back in 77, uh, the radio station, which was a gospel radio station, Eugene called me up because it was raining and they had Keith Green scheduled to be out in the fairgrounds. And they said, we, we're in a world of hurt. Could we bring Keith Green into your building tonight? And I'm going, yes. <laughs> Free. So we brought Keith in. We had a stage at that time back there. This place was so packed out. People were in the hallways. We opened up these windows and people were standing on the showers behind us looking in. And he brought this house down with the power of God's spirit. He was the, one of the most anointed musicians that I've ever been around. And so we're gonna start with Keith today. And so I want you just to relax because this fresh spiritual produce is gonna be dealt out to you now and we'll start with Keith. And when we end, I, I trust you're gonna have a phenomenal spirit-filled salad. One ten through 19 is what Keith just sang. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. First of all, let me just preface this teaching today with this thought. I believe in healing. I believe in miraculous healing I believe in restoration. I believe that God is a miracle worker today. So let's take that and let's just gently put that in our pantry right now, our spiritual pantry, and just everybody in here say amen to that. Amen. Now let's take 
the earth that we live on. And let's deal with some issues today that I trust will cause you to walk out of here with the joy and the power and the victory of the Holy Spirit to overcome everything. And I mean everything. Can you say amen to that? I had the opportunity on several occasions to be with Dr. Jay Swallow, our Native American chief in Oklahoma City. Jay one day asked me to come and speak at one of the Indian revivals that he was hosting outside of Oklahoma City. And so I drove out into, he gave me directions, and I drove out through uh, the river bottom ground. We had, he says, when you get off of the gravel road, you're on a dirt road, and just keep coming, and at the end of the road, you'll see my three-pole tent, which I'd seen on many different occasions. So I drove out, and sure enough, as I come into the opening, there's this gigantic three-pole tent being all set up with electricity. The stage was being set for the meeting that night, and I was about two hours early. Jay comes over, we greet each other, and we sit on a stump together looking at the tent. And I said, Jay, ever going to get a new tent? And he says, oh, Pastor John, look at the beauty. Look, look at this tent. How, how much more beautiful can this be? And I'm thinking to myself, this is the most ragtag tent I've ever seen. Ripped and torn and patched. And it, it, unless you understand the spiritual side of it, it's a disaster. So I said, tell me about some of those patches you have. He says, well, the only thing new in this tent is our center pole because three years ago we had a big uh, bam tree fall across and hit the center pole and brought the whole tent down. Now he says nobody was in it, but it brought the whole tent down. It tore out everything that comes up to the middle part. So we had to stitch everything around it, and then we take our glue, and we glue everything so when it dries, it, when the water comes, it doesn't leak through. He said, that one over there, those, those, all those patches, those square patches you see, all those blue square patches all over the tent, he said, that's when we had the baseball-sized hail come with a 70-mile-an-hour wind and just shot through shot through our tent like he shot it with a shotgun from heaven. And he says, we, it was just riddled. So we got up and we patched every one. We patched every one. We patched every one. He said, see that one over there, that jagged tore, that yellow one over there? He said, that's when we had our tornado and we were in the tent and we opened up the sides of the tent so the tent wind would blow on through and it wouldn't lift it up and take it away. So he said, we, we zigzagged and we put all of that taped together, and that's all that yellow mark. And he looked at me and he says, John, those are not scars. Those are beauty marks. Those are beauty marks. And I thought to myself, wow, I've got to get a hold of this because this is God speaking to me. Every one of us in here have a tent. And if you would stand back and look at your tent today, you will see either scars or beauty marks. No tent in here is left unbuffeted. Not one tent in here is left unbuffeted. I think of Noel Campbell, my mentor. And the reason he was my mentor, I walked with him from the very beginning in 73 all the way until he died just a few years ago. 
And I watched him live out a literal David life. For you see, when he was a young man with five children, his wife died of cancer and left his youngest of three with the other four for him to take care of. Shortly after he had his wife pass and left him in this very difficult situation, he went bankrupt. His drugstore went bankrupt. And he's sitting on the edge of the curb when he called for my pastor friend Don Smith to come to him. And they sat on the curb together and they wept. But yet he went to the Lord like David went to the Lord in Psalms 51. And he said, oh, renew within me a clean heart and give me a right spirit to deal with this because in my flesh, I can't deal with it. And he got up and instead of quitting, he took one step at a time, praising God, renewing himself by the power of God's spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit, not religion, not his position in the church, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he found a new reunion with God the Father and God the Son. And of all things, the joy of the Lord came to him with a buried life, wife and a bankrupt business. And he said, I can't explain it to you, John, but the joy came. And I felt guilty for the joy. For my flesh said I should be mourning and angry. But you see, Noel's tent, instead of having a scar that you were ashamed of, he had beauty marks. He had two beauty marks that he was proud of. All because he embraced the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit took him to the Father and the Holy Spirit interceded for Noel beyond what the flesh could do and he granted favor to Noel the way he granted favor to David and said, you're a man after my own heart. And that's what takes you through the adversities of life. Then Noel one day, I heard that his grandson committed suicide and it knocked him to his knees. I immediately called him and I said, my friend, what can I do? He says, I know that I know that I know that even in death and even in a greater dramatic, dramatic way, suicide, I still know who to go to for my joy. And I go to the Holy Spirit and he intercedes on my behalf to the Father. And this somehow will become not a scar, but a beauty mark. And Noel then had another patch, not a scar, but a beauty mark on his tent. And he called me one day and he says, I want you to be praying for me, Pastor. And this is my mentor. And mentors that are willing to say I'm weak are good mentors. Mentors that are willing to say, 
I've taken a blow that I can't stand by myself. I need some help. He says, John, pray for me. And I says, what am I praying for? He says, my son just told me that he has renounced Jesus Christ as his Savior and has turned his back and walked away. And I thought, oh, God. God, what is it? And he says, I test my servants. And those like Noel and those like David will go down in history. Even in heaven as great saints that overcame the obstacles of disaster and turned their dramatic scars into beauty marks. Even when Noel was ready to go home, he had severe problems physically. Survived some heart attacks. Was called one night and said, we don't expect him to live. Called him up and I says, my friend. He goes, oh, John. Oh, John, the joy of the Lord overwhelms me. Everybody's all excited and worried. But he says, there's nothing to worry about when I have the joy that I have in my heart. For I have learned to overcome by the power of his spirit the obstacles in my way. In 1 Samuel 30, I want to take it now not one step further because I want you to first of all see what Keith Green sang in Psalms 51, 10 through 9, 19. Create in me a clean heart is what Noel accepted. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Clean heart, right spirit. Clean heart, right spirit. And that's what caused Noel to overcome. And that's what called David to overcome. Because David writes this. After all the sin in his life. After everything he's gone through. The church would judge him as a sinner. And no place for repentance could ever cause him to gain stature with God. But because he knew it was sin with Bathsheba, because he knew what he had done by sending her husband to war so he would be killed so he could take his wife, his wife as his, having a child who died, he mourned the child until God came to him and he says, David, you're a man after my own heart. And David said, I'm a sinner. I, re I repent. Obviously, there's no way you could forgive a sinner like me. Create in me a clean heart, he said, O God, and renew with the right spirit within me and cast me not away from thy presence. You know why he said that. Cast me not away from my presence because I'm a sinner. But oh, how I need the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. How I need the Holy Spirit. For without the Holy Spirit, I don't have an intercessor to go and plead my case to you, Father. And as I plead my case, I plead it through the Holy Spirit. 
Cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Do you see how Noel and David line up parallel? How are you lining up with Noel and David? First Samuel 30 and verse 3. Three days later when David and his men arrived home at the city of Ziglag, there were 600 of them that had gone out and had battled, had fought, and they were victorious and they come back home. And when they came back home, they found out that the Amalekites had raided the city and burned it to the ground. They carried off all the women and children and all the livestock and all the goods. There was nothing left in Ziglag. And here the leader of 600 men who had lost all their wives and their children and their cattle, all their household belongings, all was raided and taken away. And as David and his men looked at the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. There's a place for weeping. There's a place for mourning. We don't have to be jubilant all the time filled with God's Spirit. There's a place to surrender to your weeping. But David knew that it couldn't go on now because as they wept until they could weep no more, let's take it down in uh, <clears throat> verse 6, David was seriously worried for his, for in their bitter grief for their children, his men began talking of killing him. But David took strength from the Lord. See, what Noel Campbell did sitting on the sidewalk that day decided to take strength from the Lord. Knew that he would either die a vengeful, angry, resentful Christian or take strength from the Lord and renew his faith and joy and power and peace and victory. Verse 8, David asked the Lord, Shall I chase them? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them, and you'll recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out after the Amalekites. Look how the Lord orchestrates everything in your life, even though there's disaster. Look how he orchestrates everything in your life. And what we oftentimes fall into the trap of, well, if there was a God, this wouldn't have happened. So how would I ever trust you to go after the Amalekites when you allowed the Amalekites to come to do this? But God is so much bigger than our ways, so much greater than our thoughts, so beyond our intelligence that David says, no, no, I got to go before the Lord again. Holy Spirit, intercede on my behalf. Holy Spirit, help me. Father, what do I do? Should I go after them? And he says, yes, go after them. So David in verse 9, and his 600 men set out after the Amalekites. 
And an interesting thing happened on their way. As they get to the brook, 200 men had had it. Different philosophers have said the 200 men weren't just tired. They'd had it. They'd had it with David. And they were not going to go in and fight anymore because God destroyed their families and took everything and they'd had it. And they said, we're staying here. You go on. So David looked at some men and said, are you ready to go with me? And by God's spirit, they were touched. Now hang on to that thought because they all move across the brook. <clears throat> so the Bezor brook was bubbling along and they walk across the brook. And then they come along and they find an Egyptian boy. He'd been out in the wilderness for three days, hungry and tired. And they said, who are you? He said, I'm the servant of an Amulite leader. He said, why are you here? Well, I was sick and my leader left me here. They said, do you know where they are? He said, yes, I do. They gave him food. They found some dates. They gave him food. He gained his strength. And he says, swear by, my, swear by your word that the Lord your God will protect me and you won't kill me and you won't turn me over to the Amalekites. So he led them. So the young man said, I swear to you in verse 16, by God's name, that you will not kill me. So he led them to the Amalekites encampment. And they were spread across the field, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of loot that they had taken from the Philistines. David and his man rushed in amongst them and they slaughtered them. Now catch this, all night and the entire next day until evening. And the word is, David didn't lose a man. Now how can that be? Without the power of God's Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of God's favor. Without the joy of the Lord. Great devastation. Great victory. And David went in and he rescued everything, including his two wives. His troops rounded up in verse 20, all the flocks and the herds, and he drove them ahead of them. And these are your personal rewards, they said to David. Not only did they get all their own belongings back, they got everything else that the Amalekites had had. But some of the ruffians that were left, the 200 are some of the ruffians in the 400 that were with him as they crossed the brook. As they come back, they find the 200 cowered down. Some of his ruffians in the 400 said, they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the loot. 
Give them their wives and their children and tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers, the Lord has kept us safe and kept us, uh, us um, allowed us to defeat our enemies. Do you think that anyone will listen to you when you talk like this? We share and we share alike those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. What was that that David was responding to? A clean heart and a right spirit. Even the ones that were with him, who should have known better, looked at the king and realized we can learn from this man because of his clean heart and his right spirit. You see, David's tent was covered with all kinds of colors. There's probably not another tent in a personality in the scriptures that had more defeat, more victory than David. And in the end, God said, through it all, you're a man after my own heart. Why? Because I've seen your clean heart and your right spirit. Church, you can't get away from the fact you can be as religious as you want and be like those ruffians that said, no, they don't deserve it. Even though they walked with the king. No, they don't deserve it. And David said, oh, yes, they do deserve it. I'll give them equally what I give everybody else. Because it's God's way of blessing his people. It's God's way of forgiving his people. I want you to see something that is critical in your walk with the Lord on this earth. <clears throat> if I had you raise your hands today, every one of you would raise your hands and you'd say, I don't know why this happened. <clears throat> I don't know why this happened. I struggle with this today. God knows I love him. Why would he have done this to me? I come to church and I, I do what I do. I pay my tithe, I praise him, I glorify him, but I'm still at turmoil with the fact that I have to walk with this limp. And I look up at your tent and all I see is a jagged scar. And God today wants to make that a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful patch. It's your choice like David it's your choice like no you can live in it wallow in it or rise above it and when you rise above it now catch it when you rise above it healing in his wings comes healing comes so what David did he stepped over the obstacle of sin and death he stepped over the dramatic defeat. He stepped over the ridicule. He stepped over the threat of death. He stepped over. He stepped over. And when he came to this place, God had taken everything that he stepped over and put it in right order. If you don't walk with a limp, 
something wrong with you. If you sit here and say, well, I don't have any, any of that stuff that David had. I don't have any of that stuff that Noel had. None of it. Peter says, I'll not deny you. I'll not deny you. I love you. I'll not deny you. And the Lord says, when the crow sounds its alarm, you'll curse me and deny me. I'll never do that. And he swore and he says, I don't know him. But because God knew the heart of Peter, in that moment in history where Peter did something that would appall every person ever alive, you swore that you didn't know him? When you walked with him, when you smelt his breath, when your ear was on his heart, you felt him. You were there and you did that. But God, by the power of his spirit, intercedes for Peter. And God looks down and sees that Peter is not that man. That was a flesh thing. And he says, Peter, you're a man after my own heart. And when Jesus came back, Peter was waiting to be rebuked. And all Peter did was stand there to receive the love of Jesus. That's what he has for all of us. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how resentful you've been. Why me, God? Why have I received this load on this earth? Because it's called earth. And on earth there's death. Misery and pain. Yes, I believe in the power of God's healing. I've seen it. I've watched it. Thomas, in all of his, all of his time with the Lord, doubted his scars. But the greatest tent that has ever been assembled upon this earth and the greatest tent that will ever, ever be recognized in heaven as the tent above tents is Jesus Christ. For you see on his tent, there are scars you will see in his hands someday. There's thorn prints you'll see on his forehead someday. There's a pierced side, a pierced entry point where he was stabbed in his side someday. And you'll look at the feet that have two holes in the top through the bottom someday. But his tent has not scars anymore, but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful patches. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Even though the fig tree have no blossoms and there be no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the Lord of my salvation. That's our choice. 
That's our choice. And what I'm excited about today is to be able to come to you and say, it doesn't just work because I've watched it work through Noel. It doesn't just work because I've read the scriptures and it worked through David. It doesn't just work because it worked through Jesus. I lived it, and I have lived it. I've made light about the second split of this church. That was a devastating time in Lenegay in my life. 250-some people got up and left and said some very unkind things about us. But I went to Noel, and I've never shared this story with anybody. You're hearing it for the first time today. I went to Noel, and I says, Noel, there's going to be a split at Christ Center. Something's not done, and done quick. So I want to resign. Linda and I will not do anything. We'll not start any Bible study. We'll not start any church. We will honor Christ Center. We'll honor the lambs there. And Noel, I, I had it all planned out. I had it all. I mean, it was beautiful. I had my case presented before my elder. And Noel was always so kind, was always so gentle. I never heard him raise his voice. And when I finished my presentation, he looked at me and he said, Pastor John, the shepherd doesn't leave his sheep. The sheep can leave the shepherd, but the shepherd doesn't leave the sheep. Now you get back there and you pastor that church until I tell you that you've got another assignment. I was, I was, I was floored. I, I presented a great case. And the sheep left. And as the elders are over here in this room, across the way here, on their faces that night, after 250-some people leave, we're on our faces because we've got a budget. We've got a Christian school. We've got world outreaches. We've got a church. We've got to turn lights on. We've got to carry on. We've got a whole staff at the Christian school that needs to be paid. And we're meeting specifically to ask God what we cut who do we release? There has to be about $100,000 cut. Where do we start, God? And the only thing I know how to do is get on my face and pray. And I got on my face and I started praying with the other elders. And God spoke to me and says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you're going to cut from my church? You're to add, not cut. And I said, God, we can't. He says, you can't, I can. You pick up the Holy Spirit, you come and intercede. Let him intercede on my behalf. I'll show you something you've never seen in your life. See, I had a zigzag experience. We were devastated until God says, you don't cut anything. It's my church. You add, get ready to add I told that to the elders and blessed their hearts. They sensed the power of God's spirit. They got off their, 
that carpet eating experience of praying. And they said, oh, God, we glorify you. And you know what they did? They said, create in us a clean heart, oh, God. Renew us a right spirit. Cast not away from thy presence. And take not the Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of salvation. Restore it. Restore it. And we had a glorious Psalms 51, 10 through 19 experience. And church, within a matter of almost no time, this church was so filled up wall to wall, we didn't have enough chairs. We had to go buy some more chairs. It became magic. It was unbelievable what God did. And I would stand and I'd look out. And I would see new faces. But what I saw was the power of God's spirit that brought joy back into my life. Because, see, there were people that wanted to kill me, too. He's faithful today for you just like that. What I want to do today in closing is we're going to play again Keith's song that we started with. I want you to take what you've been carrying your zigzag. I want you to take your zigzag and bring it up to the altar today as Keith sings and ask God for a clean heart. Ask God for a right spirit. And ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for you to take you to a level you've never been before. I want you to see what Linda Gay and I saw at the Teton Mountains one year when we took our kids on a horseback ride up the steep, steep cliff going up into the Tetons. And we got up. There was a struggle. Boy, you had to hang on because the horse was stumbling on the little path. And he was, I mean, it was really steep. And all of a sudden, we broke into this meadow with every color of flower you could think of going up the mountain. Beautiful flowers, gorgeous flowers, snow peak mountain. It was heaven. What I want to see you break over today into that meadow where you're able to say, I lay it down. And I praise you for my zigzag. I praise you, you brought me out of it. See, when I went to prison, as unjust as it was, I knew I had a choice of having a scar in my tent or a beautiful patch. And I chose the beautiful patch. And I chose a clean heart and a, and a, and a, and a renewed, wonderful, right spirit. And today, one of the greatest achievements spiritually upon earth that I've ever accomplished through Jesus was the experience in prison where we had literal revival, healing, miracles. It was unbelievable. And believe it or not, today I miss it. Would I go back? Oh, kidding me. But as I look back, oh, yes. I had my zigzag, and now I have a tent that's got a beautiful, huge, huge, beautiful patch. Play the song, Come.
you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know the Holy Spirit as your best friend, come and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to intercede for me because I can't handle this anymore. Might have happened years ago and it still surfaces as a thorn. God, take the thorn out of me today that I'll be able to praise you and rejoice in you and have victory in you and that all of my scars become beautiful patches, beautiful memories of God overcoming. Play the song and leave it running as you come and we'll pray for you now.
Father, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for your tender mercies, your loving kindness. Father, we thank you that we can't wander too far because you're always there to catch us. But today, Lord, I pray for everyone in this building, not only those here, but we will sense your holy presence and have such a hunger to be near you. So, Father, we thank you that you are the one who gives us a clean, pure heart. You said our sins and lawless deeds you remember no more. We thank you for that. So, Lord, we give you praise. We magnify your name, the name above all names. In Jesus' name. Father, we know the disciples counted it joy to suffer for you. And, Lord, today, I know for all of us, we've been through those things. And, Lord, today we just declare what a joy it is to love you and to serve you. Lord, it's worth everything to know you. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing upon us. Lord, uh, sometimes those things we go through are the greatest gifts we can possibly have. So, Father, thank you that as we look forward and come out of each one of those, every trial we go through, we come up higher than we were when we entered it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now for you that are here, I want you to get up, come find somebody and just hug them and tell them how proud you are of them and how you're going to personally continue to support and pray them. Come right now. You stand up here so they know who you are. Come and greet these people right now. <laughs> 